Mark, if you would, Mark chapter 5, if you would turn there. A lot to talk about today, I'm not even going to try to finish it, unless you go out and enjoy the day. Promises. We come to a passage this morning has to do with some things that America doesn't believe much and the church is sadly a big part of this unbelief. It has to do with demons, the presence and the work of demons. I can tell you and attest to this, demons are real and demons are on the move. They're real. If you've not encountered demons, or maybe you don't know what you've encountered, when you encounter demons, they are real. Think about that for just a moment. How do you account for the behavior of a lot of different people if they're not inspired or energized by demons? You think those are your ideas. You think all ideas are from ourselves. And if you're a Christian, they should be from the Holy Spirit. But other spirits get involved. What makes us shake our head and scratch our head and say, why would they do that? Why would somebody do that? Or how can they be so ugly? How can they be so vulgar, mean? Let's look in the Bible. Mark chapter 5, verse 1, it says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, speaking of our Lord, when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, but that he had been often bound with fetters and chains and chains had been plucked asunder by him and the fetters broken in pieces neither could any man tame him and always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying and cutting himself with stones and when he saw Jesus afar off he ran and worshipped him and he cried with a loud voice and said what have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. And all the devils besought him, all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave. And the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000. And were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. 
and they went out to see what it was that was done. And they came to Jesus, and seeing him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of the coast. And when he was coming to the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit, Jesus suffered him not, but said to him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in the Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him, and all men did marvel. Lord, we just ask you to be with us now and to teach us. Oh, Father, teach us from your word the things that we need to know. So, so many believe today that we live in such different times and we are sophisticated. And we have great knowledge and we have more understanding and the world is a different place now. But Lord, we know this. Your word stands forever. Teach us from your word by your spirit the truth about the day in which we live. Lord, help us to know of a certainty that in you we have hope. You are the answer, and it's going to be all right. And so, Father, we just ask to be with us. Push out the cares of today. Push out the things that we might think about outside our time together and allow us, through your presence and your power and your teaching, come to a greater understanding this morning of who you are. Lord, be very real this morning to us and calm us, give us understanding. Illuminate the word. We pray that we may see Jesus this morning. And it's in his name we do ask and pray. Amen. I say this often, I say it this morning. In my circle of pastor friends, I receive some ridicule for believing in demons, for believing in demonic activity for believing they are real and they're busy. I personally don't understand how you can live in this world and not clearly see them, not see their work and not see their activity. But again, ridicule for that. Interesting, the passage we just read and the behavior of the man possessed of the demons and his behavior to Christ, Christ answer to him, the people's uh, reaction to what he did, all of that is an amazing story. We just came. Now remember, we're, we're just coming out of the storm in the sea in the end of the fourth chapter. Jesus said, and it says, and it says that same day, that big day, he taught the parables of the sower. Uh, they were marveled at that. And it says in chapter 4 and verse 35, and that same day, Jesus said, let's get into a ship and go to the other side. 
Now you remember the gatherings. These are the people who they chose the wrong side when Moses was dividing the land. They chose not to go over into the promised land. They chose to stay on the other side. And now we see the, the outcome of that. They're in the pig business. They should not be in the pig business, but they're in the pig business. That was not for the Lord's people to be in the pig business. I have been uh, happy through the years that people are in the pig business. It makes the people in the egg business uh, complimentary. But these are people, the Gadarenes, from the tribe of Gad, who ended up on the wrong side. And Moses gave them, he went to the Lord, the Lord said, give it to them. Two and a half tribes stayed on the wrong side. Gad was one of them. And now they're in the pig business. And the Lord went over, and a man comes out of the tomb, screaming and hollering and cursing and hurting himself. He's in the tombs. He lives in death. He lives in decay. And it doesn't take very much study to look into the land of that day and find out that the burial was often in those areas, just taking them into the tomb, into a hole in the rock, or covering them with some rocks. The stench and the decay was incredible. And he preferred that. And you tell me there are not demons today to feed on death, to love death, to hate the good things, to self-inflict destruction to self, to self-inflict the destruction to our own bodies, our own minds, our own lives. People do it every day, all day. You know them. I know them. Fascinating story. In no way I'm going to cover this story today, but I want to highlight it for you just a little bit. You have a great mind. You have the Spirit of God living in you if you're a Christian. He will illuminate this to you in a whole different way and show you things that I don't even see yet. Go to Him. But today I want to illuminate some highlights as He has shown me. I want to get you home at a, regular, at a decent hour this morning. I want you to see this with me. It's fascinating. Fascinating. And that same day, they got in a boat and a storm came and Jesus was asleep on a pillow, the Bible says. And they said, Master, don't you care that we're perishing? And they rebuked him. And so he got up and said, okay. And he rebuked the storm. And then he turned to them and said, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Now I've got to tell you, I've been in some storms. And it's different than going through the calm, isn't it? I've, I've, I've asked the Lord a few times and reminded him gently as I can. I'm still here and it's happening. Do you see it? Do you hear what they're doing? Do you see what I'm going through? I don't mean to rebuke him, but boy, sometimes I feel like he might have taken his eye off of me. Can I assure you this? He knows. And he says, I am the Lord in the storm. He's the Lord in the darkness. He's the Lord in the storm. He's the God over storms. And so they get to the other side. We're looking at this passage. We're looking at this story. We're seeing now the ministry of Jesus Christ as he's called now his first few disciples. And this is through their eyes. I believe this is the writing of Mark, the telling of the, of the stories of Peter. I believe that. 
you don't have to, and it's okay. It's, it says the Gospel of Mark, and that's what it says, and Mark did write it. I believe Mark was Peter's helper. History would point that out, and that he's writing what he saw, and it's through the eyes of this older disciple named Peter. Peter see. I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter just for a moment. Keep your finger there. Turn to 2 Peter. Back in the back of your Bible. There you go. Oh, you found it. You didn't find it? 2 Peter chapter 2 begins with this. This is Peter's gospel, uh, Peter's uh, letter, epistle. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways. Pernicious means lustful. There, there are going to be teachers coming, and Peter said in his day, in our day, in the days in between, there are going to be teachers coming who stand up and say, this is the gospel, this is the Bible, and teach things that people want to hear instead of what the Lord has for them. People having itching ears, the Bible says, saying, speak unto us and prophesy smooth things. Don't make it hard. We don't want to hear something hard to do. We don't want to hear having to change our ways. We want you to preach that we're doing okay. Well, that's not what... A preacher's called to do. And I thank you for recognizing I'm not about to do that. And you come back anyway. Thank you for that. But many follow their lustful or pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. That word, that phrase is blasphemo. So they will blaspheme the truth. And through covetousness shall they with pretend plastic feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now for a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And that's the group that Peter is teaching these people about. For time's sake, I skip ahead to verse 19. And while they, this group of people, these false teachers, the liars and those who teach corruption, it says, while they promise them liberty... They themselves are the servants of corruption, for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought into bondage. Do you believe this man in the tomb was bound? By, he said he couldn't be bound. Don't you think he was bound? He was in the bondage of spiritual wickedness. He couldn't be physically bound because Satan can give superhuman strength. When you see someone who's super strong, it doesn't have to be God giving them that. There are people in business that are making so much money they can't hardly count it fast enough, believing that they are blessed when it's not, it's not God's money and it's not God's business and it's not his blessing. That's called deception. There are also people in business doing a good job and God is blessing them and they are doing a tremendous godly work. Can you discern the difference? Well, the Bible says, Peter says that uh, they promised them liberty. Oh, there's freedom to do whatever you want to do. I promise liberty. But look what it says now. Be very, very carefully. While they promised them liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. That word corruption leads back every time you look at it to this. 
putrefying decay. The man in the tombs was, what, what was he? Had an unclean spirit. He was in the tombs. And verse 5 says, And always night and day he was in the mountains, the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. He was in death, surrounded by death, and in a life of absolute decay. Now the spiritual application of that is, by Peter, be careful of false teachers. They are then linked to, scripturally, they have unclean spirits. A false teacher is a man, woman, boy or girl who has an unclean spirit teaching lies and heresy where the gospel should be taught. Look at Luke and, and chapter 17 for just a moment. You're in Mark to the right, Luke 17, a few pages, not many. Mark 17, or Luke 17. Here's an interesting statement by our Lord. And it says in verse 20, Luke 17 and 20, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Oh, it's not something you're going to look at. You can't observe it. You don't look and say, Well, there's the kingdom of God. It doesn't come that way. Listen to what he says. Neither shall they say, Lo, here, or lo, there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. What I want to talk to you about today, and if there, I, don't, I don't make real notes, and uh, I'm sure you understand, you believe that. I use my Bible. I highlight some things. But what I want to talk to you about is this. There is a natural and an unnatural way of life. You believe that? There's a natural and there's an unnatural way of life. What is the frustration? What is the divorce rate? What is the problems? What is the root of the problems in this world? What's it tied to? Why are there so many marriages that are mediocre at best? The Bible talks about women adoring their husband. The Bible talks about men cherishing their wives and in our world today I see more partnerships business arrangements than I do biblical marriages is that too hard to hear why is that you see God the creator God the Bible says and without him there was nothing made that was made God created it all. And the person of Christ is the one who spoke everything into existence. He put his stamp on everything. Your car was made somewhere. Your clothes were made somewhere. Your dishes were made somewhere. You look in the manual, look on the back. There's a, there's a plate riveted to everything you own that says where it was made. Well, you were made somewhere. And this universe was made somewhere. And there is an ebb and flow to life. There is an ebb and flow to life that creates a peace and tranquility and a smooth sailing in this world that, as I understand it, very few people have gotten a hold of. Most people live the unnatural path of life. 
They live the herky-jerky, burst and slow, burst and slow. There's an ebb and flow to life. When I was a boy, a friend of mine called me one day and said, my mom and dad want you to spend the weekend with us at the lake. A lake is an interesting word. A lake can be a pond that someone sees as a lake. I went to the lake for the weekend, and the first day we were out and doing a lot of activities, a lot of sunshine, a lot of activities, and by the evening after dinner, we were tired. And they said to me, Donnie, you get to sleep in the boat. And I thought, oh, good, because I was about to throw up standing on the boat. I thought, it's going to be good. But can I tell you this? They took us down to my friend and I, and we were on down in the boat, and then they had benches on both sides that were padded, and they were fairly wide, and they were very comfortable, and they put a sleeping bag on there, and my friend said, we can talk all night. As I began to snore, the boat, I never was one of those talk all night guys. <laughs> I've always been that guy who's heading home when people are getting ready to leave. I don't know. The sun's almost down. It's time for bed. <laughs> so I was in the boat, and they tied the front of the boat to the dock, but the boat drifted over, and it, all night long, just whoosh, whoosh, washing in. I don't know that I ever experienced sleep like that. Well, that was good. If you work hard, play hard, have eat 17 or 18 hot dogs and lay down, you'll sleep. And I did. And I woke up the next morning, I thought, this is a wonderful, I thought, it's going to be a terrible night. It's one of those things where you dread the worst and the best comes. And I remember that. But you know there's a rhythm and a rhyme to God's universe? There is a rhythm out there if you'll just listen to it. Listen for it. The next time that happened to me, I was 41 years old on the island of Maui. I was in a, doing a speaking tour. And they put me up in a cottage or a village, a villa thing off of the water over there. And the water wasn't very far from the, the villa they, they put me up in. And it was an open wall in the back, completely open. It was about a three-foot wall, stucco wall. I don't know what the crime rate is over there. I never even thought about it. I went to bed. And the ocean came in all night long. Now, I don't know what I heard in my mother's womb. But it had to be akin to that because that, again, my friend said, we had a hard day, clean up, we'll be over in a few minutes and we'll go to dinner. It's hard to go to dinner when you're in bed. And I was in bed and I slept, I slept. There is in life the heartbeat of God and there is on us the fingerprint of God. And if you and I learn to live that way, we can live here in this chaos and madness with joy. You can look across the table at your spouse and say, man, am I a fortunate guy. Look at that. And she can look back and say, whatever. And... Uh, get dressed and get out of here. <laughs> We're looking at me like that. 
but you can live with this joy. What stops that joy is the unnatural way of life, and this is nothing more than an amplified picture of what demons do and what the agenda of Satan is as opposed to God's agenda. And he stands and screams, and he's living among death, and there's decay and stench and rot all around him, and they say, come to town, come take a bath, come home with us, and they put him in chains and he breaks them. They fetter him, and he will not be bound. And he screams and says, not only will I not do what you want me to do, I'm going to hurt myself while I'm here. got a call one night from a prison guard and said, Don, this boy is calling for you. Will you come? I went to the, I went to the jailhouse. And I said, I, I don't know this boy, and what's, what am I doing here? And he said, you do know him. He knows you. Well, he came to church about three Sundays in a row. I never saw him again until he called for me from a jail cell. And I went into the jail cell and sat beside him, and I looked at him. I said, I remember you. And he said, yeah, yeah, you said some things I can't forget. And I sat down beside him, and I pulled his arms toward me, and they were all scarred and scratched and scabbed up and just ugly. And I said, what is that? Are they doing that to you in here? And he said, oh, no, oh, no. And he opened his mouth and reached in the back of his teeth and pulled out a shard of a razor blade that he had stuck between his teeth. And he said, when things don't go my way, I just pull this out and cut myself. And I said, is that helping some way? Is that helping you? He said, are you making fun of me? I said, no, I'm asking you a question. Does that help you? He said, no, it doesn't. I, I want you to talk to me. I want to ask you about some things. And we sat there for two and a half hours, and he, got, he kept getting closer and closer. By the time I left, he laid his head on my lap and cried. I want this Jesus you talk about. I came out of there in the guard. I said, I'm ready to go. And the guard came, and boy, it's a good feeling to get out of jail. I'd have a hard time being there for real. It's a nasty sound when they clank that door behind you, and I can't imagine knowing that's your future. But they clanked that door, and I sat down, and I, my blood ran cold. We talked for two and a half, three hours, and I said, I'm ready to go. And I got to the front desk, and I said, if he ever calls me again, I don't care what time you call me. And I saw him two more times after that, but they said out front, we forgot to tell you he's a cutter. We forgot to tell you he's a cutter. I said, yeah, I discovered that. Thanks for no warning on that. This man stood in the tombs and screamed and hollered and cussed and busted chains and was strong. And he said this, get away from me. I'm going to destroy myself in this place of destruction and corruption. And he cut himself often with stones. Psychology today has several articles I've looked up and they say this this if it's not a pure fantasy is surely a day gone by these things if they ever were real are not here today I was in a cell with a cutter and you know what he did about three times while I was there 
just scream, just a blood-curdling scream came out of him out of nowhere. Bladder test, I'd say. I was sitting next to him, looking around. We were talking. I looked the other way, and he screamed. And, I mean, he made my ears jump around. I didn't grab my ears. I grabbed my bladder. Oh, it's going. <laughs> what is that? I said, what is that? He said, I don't know. I just do that sometimes. I said, what are you screaming about? He said, I don't know. I just do that sometimes. Was he in control? I said, why do you cut yourself? He said, I, don't, I just can't stop it. I said, I'll give you one way to stop it. Get rid of that razor blade. You know how not to gain 40 pounds on ice cream at night? Don't buy it. You know how to quit smoking? You know how to quit drinking? You know how to quit eating melted cheese on your chips? Don't get that. I can't help myself. He put his head on my shoulder, cried like a baby. Will you help me? Will you help me? I can't stop. I can't stop. Jan and I were talking to a young couple two months ago. He was very sober and sour. They were living together, wanting our blessing, wanting God's blessing. I can't give that. I'm not, the, I'm not the giver of God's blessing. I can't take it away, but I can't say. And he came in, and we talked. And he had a sober look and was angry, crossed his legs, crossed his feet. And I started talking to him and asking him some questions, and he said this to me. Yes, I have three demons. I know their names, and they're very good to me. They give me whatever I want. I said, what are their names? Lust was one. Pride was one. I didn't hear the third one. I never did get it. Anger was, anger what? My wife knows anger. Good. <laughs> anger was. Lust, pride, and anger. <laughs> Those are the demons. I have asked people who call me to their homes and their sons and their daughters are out of control. And I'll say, what is your name? And they'll tell me. And they give a name of a characteristic. There are demons, many of them, legions. Paul says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You remember that? Ephesians 6, 10. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. My fight's not with you. You can come and call me every name in the book and tell me how much you dislike me and all kinds of things, and that's why I disregard most males I get and everything else. You can tell me whatever you want about me. You can be as angry and as mad and as hateful and ugly and name accusatory. You can be a number of all those things, and my fight is still not with you. It's with whatever's driving you to do that. you believe it? Our country better wake up to this and wake up to it very soon. Very soon, we have a divided nation. We have a divided nation that is threatening no hope and no fixing. It will be fixed. The Lord is in charge. Here's good news. Tuesday morning is coming. Everybody understands that. But Daniel says, 
And Peter chapter 3 says, the Lord puts up and takes down kings and rulers. It's in the Lord's hands. Now, that, that, that helps me to sleep at night, to be quite honest. I think the Lord has given us a spanking a few years now running, but uh, and been long. He's been telling us, here's what you need. You need a spanking. That's what I believe. You believe what you will. But know this. We have a clear as a, as a division in our country as we've had in my lifetime as I see it. And people are afraid, uh, fearful, afraid, and they're very angry. Jesus said, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. Legion, for we are many. This is, as we entered the book of Mark, this is a beautiful example of the disturbing presence of Jesus. Jesus walks into the room and it, people are disturbed. The children come and lay on his lap and the demons rear up in anger at his presence. And I'm going to say to you this Sunday what I said last Sunday, there is nothing in this world like being in his presence. Nothing. Nothing like being in the presence of Jesus. In that study time, when you're serious about the word of God entering your heart and your mind, when you hit your knees before an open Bible on your knees, before your desk, before, the, before your chair, before wherever you study, and you say, Lord, and you lay your hand on the Bible, and you say this, I believe it. I, be I believe it before I read it. Would you help me understand it? I believe it's true. One day I was a little boy, I was in trouble. As a little boy, I was in trouble, and I didn't do it. And that's a rare occasion, but it was true. I didn't do it this time. And my dad was known for whipping now and talking later. And I thought, I do not want to get a whipping for something I didn't do. I didn't always get him for what I did do, but that's the heart of a boy. And I thought, you know, I don't want a whipping for this. And it was a pretty bad thing, and I thought, I'm going to get it, boy. My dad doesn't look on this well. And uh, when my dad had a job to do, I can say this with everything in me, he did it to the best of his ability. And he saw whipping his kids as a job. And he gave it gusto. I didn't want one. And so I ran to him. I ran to him. I ran to him. And I grabbed his legs. He said, what's the matter with you? I said, you're not going to believe me. You're not going to believe me. He said, tell me your story. I'll believe you. Tell me what you got to tell me, and I will believe you. And I told him, and he said, is that how it was? I'd say he grabbed my hair, but there was none. He grabbed my head, and he said, look me in the eye and tell me that's the way it was. And I said, Dad, that's how it felt. He said, I believe you. No, I found that Jesus Christ is the same way. This Bible is so full. It's a manual for our lives. It tells us how to walk, how to live, what to do, what not to do, how to do it. And every morning, almost, pretty much every morning, mostly, I get up, I lay my hand on the Bible, the passage I'm looking at, and I say, Lord, I believe it. Now tell me what it says. 
Do you know he does? He does. He's the God of disease. He's the God of creation. He's the God, he's the God over demons. I want to say this again because our audience keeps changing here. Our tree people have gone inside, but there's still car people, and there's you people, and there's barn people. And I want you all to understand this. It's a life-changing understanding. Jesus created everything by his command. Don't be tired of hearing this. Take it in. The Bible says in Genesis 1, God said, and it was so. God said, let there be light, and it was so. When you go to 2 Corinthians 6, I said in the last hour, I'll say it in this hour, I'll repeat it in the future, because it means so much. God said, let there be light, and there was light. Paul says, using the same words, and you look them up, and they are the same word. Paul said, and God commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Genesis says he said so. Paul says he commanded it. You look up the word said, and in conjunction with Jesus Christ and God and deity, what they say is a command. It's not a suggestion, it's a command. We are the only thing in the created universe who do not have to respond to the command immediately in the way it's spoken. Isn't that amazing? That's called free will. And when God said to Adam and Eve, the day that you sin, you shall surely die. And they woke up the next morning, and they felt the same. Everything worked the same, and they were still there. Did they die? Spiritually, they died. They were now separated from God spiritually. Jesus is in the tombs. He's with the man possessed of demons. There's a normal and a natural order to life, and there's an abnormal, unnatural order to life. And I'm going to say this to you. Most people live in the unnatural order. That's why the frustration. That's why you get to be 60 years old and go, this is not what I thought it would be. Why? 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 In Luke in chapter 4, and I, I closed pretty quickly here, but in Luke in chapter 4, the Lord stands up in his hometown in the synagogue, and it says he, he goes there and finds a place where it is written, the book of Isaiah, and says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach. And he tells what he's preaching, the gospel to the poor, bondage or freedom, freedom to the captives. The Bible says the Lord was anointed to preach freedom to the captives. You go to the book of Acts in chapter 26 and you find Paul telling his story for the third time in the Bible. We were out there and the sun sh was shining above the brightness of the midday sun. A big light came and we all fell to the ground and I heard a voice saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I'm persecuting Christians. He said, when you persecute mine, you're persecuting me. Why are you doing that? Isn't it hard to live like that? And Paul said, who art thou, Lord? And what will you have me to do? Huh? 
what will you have me to do? And he tells his story and says, I was not uh, disobedient to the heavenly vision. And the Lord, and listen to what he says. I'm going I'm to just read it to you because it's so good. Here's what he said. And the Lord, he said, I have appeared to thee for this purpose, to make thee a minister and a witness both to these things which thou hast seen and of those things which I will appear unto thee. Jesus said, I was anointed to preach the gospel. Paul says, I was chosen. The Lord appeared to me, and he said, I want to make you a minister and a witness to these things. And listen, what the things are? To open their eyes. He said, I'm sending you to the Gentiles, by the way. To open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God, that they may receive forgiveness of sin and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. And this is a this is Paul in the beginning of his ministry. And you find in the twenty fourth chapter that Felix said, I'll hear you again later. That's a pretty good story, Paul. And Paul gave him his his witness and his life story, and he said, That's a pretty good story, I'll hear of you later. And you can go back and read it. It's uh, 24 and 25, verse 25 of chapter 24. And here we have, in this passage, you read down. And in verse 24, Festus, wasn't Doc, wasn't Kitty. If Festus said this, here's what Festus said, governor. He says, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. You're out of your mind. One man, he goes to him, a governor, and he says, I'll hear you later. Well, that's a good story. I'll hear you later. And I've been told that by a lot of people. Let's talk about that again sometime. I said, okay, long. hope you don't go to hell between them, but whatever. That makes friends. And then this guy says, you're crazy. You have lost your mind. 25, but he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. That word soberness means I have a balanced mind, by the way. My mind is clear as a bell. My mind's clear. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from thee for this cause. And for this thing was not done in a corner. And King Agrippa... Believest thou the prophets? Paul says, I know you believe. <laughs> I know you do. I know you believe me. He said in verse 3 of the same chapter earlier, he said, especially because I know thee to be an expert in all customs and questions that are among the Jews. And he says, I know you believe the truth. I know you do. And Agrippa said to Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. How would you like to be in hell? Well, there's a good question all by itself. How would you like to be in hell and hear for eternity ringing through your ears? Almost, I became a Christian. Oh, God, that day was close. Old Paul was talking to me. Oh, he had a sincerity about him, and he acted like he knew what he was saying, and just so credible. 
and I was listening, and he said, oh, almost, Paul. You Almost you persuaded me to be a Christian. I'm in this flame and torments for eternity. I missed heaven by that much. Wouldn't it be great to think about all of eternity? I almost went to heaven, but I decided hell. I close now this morning, and I'm about one-fourth through this message, but there's no point in hurrying through these things. But I want you to know this. This Christ, this Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And this world, nothing changes. I'm telling you, and you can stay, and you can go, you can leave this church, you can do what you want. Demons are as real as you and I are. Demons are in full force today, and they're influencing many people. When you and I scratch our head and think, why would someone do that? A lot of times, they're being influenced by demonic forces. I've seen parents beg their children. I've seen parents, I've sat with them. Would you come and talk to my daughter? She's going to marry this guy. Could you please come? And I've sat and talked to them and make no sense whatsoever, but just dog set on doing it anyway. Admit to their problems of the marriage that the marriage will bring. Admit them freely and openly and say this, but I love him. I say, you love what? You calling me out for making fun of people? I'm telling you this. This is not the time to be getting involved in a covenant forever. You young people listening to me, listen to me now. Listen. If your parents are not for it, back up a little bit and give it some time and let's see what the answer really is. If that boy loves you with what you think he loves you with, he'll love you that way in six months. It was all about him. He'll leave when, when he doesn't get what he wants that day. And you'll find out who's who. And you can go cry on your stuff bare for a week. You can get through that. But boy, I'd rather have that than have a marriage fall apart and have the ramifications of people coming and saying, for the rest of my life, i got to see you on occasion because, and I've got it, folks. I'm, I'm in the game. i got it. I'm not making fun of anybody. Demons are involved. Satan has an agenda. And if you're a child of God, he hates you. Good news. Jesus loves you. And greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. I don't know about you. When I was a boy, I thought there was no safer place on the planet than at my dad's side. Unless he was mad, then there was no more dangerous place on the planet. But if he was happy with me, there was no safer place on the planet than right beside him. He wore those overalls with stripes on him every day. And those things had a hammer loop. I seen a hammer hanging that loop maybe once, but I hung on it every day. That was my loop. And when his nine foot nine leg took a step, so did my body. He went with it. crawled up on his lap one night. I was crawling up on my dad's lap, I remember it. I don't know why I was so uneasy, but I was tussling and tossing around there, and he just threw me on the floor. Pushed me off on the floor. He's not going to tear my clothes off. It hurt. I almost couldn't drive to high school the next day. It was bad. My elbows hurt. But can I tell you this? The world has its demons. 
I believe with everything in me from the Bible and from what I see and from what I witness in my own life, I believe this. Hell has been opened and the fury has been unleashed. All the cards are on the table. Now, that's, what's, that's the problem in our world right now is everybody laid it out. And it's, it's as clear a division as I've ever seen. But I want to tell you this, the Lord's still in control and it's going to be all right. That doesn't mean it doesn't get ugly. That doesn't mean it doesn't get dangerous. That doesn't mean we don't suffer some. That doesn't mean hard times don't come. The Bible promises all those things will happen. But here's the deal. These are the battles. The war has already been won. And in Christ we have the victory. Victory in Jesus. Our Savior forever. Amen. Always good. Lord, we just thank you again for another day. We can set the clock up and down. We can move it around. But, Lord, you stay the same, and we're so grateful. Thank you for the blessing of being called your child. Thank you for the understanding of what your word has to say. And, Lord, thank you for promising and keeping your promise that you'll never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, we say this morning with one corporate heart, we love you. May each of us learn day by day to hand over those things we think are ours. They're really yours. And we're nothing but stewards. We own nothing. We're stewards of all. And you'll take care of the you'll take care of your things. Lord, we ask now your blessing on this week and today. Lord, be with our nation this week. May your children fill in the circle of those things that honor you. Help us, Lord, be with us. Give us strength and courage. Give us understanding. And, Lord, just draw us closer, we pray now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all, wherever you're at this morning, for being here. Have a great week. Go in peace.